welcome to the HodgePodge Podcast. I'm your host as always, D. Hodge, but you guys already know that. Okay, today the podcast is is, 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 is a little long, so I'm not going to do any of the um, this week on the country air charts or on the pop charts. I'm not going to do any of that this week. I want to do something a little different, a little special. But before we do that, go over to my Instagram at I am Mr. Dylan Hodge. You give me a follow. Go over to at the HodgePodge podcast over on Instagram and give us a follow there as well. You can go over, uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go subscribe and give a five-star rating. It helps us grow up into the podcast world and makes us from a little uh, little bitty toddler makes us a teenager and then we go full grown adult so I'd appreciate you guys if you did that if you're listening on Spotify or Google Play or stuff like the iHeartRadio hit the follow button and then that way you'll be toned in and you can listen to every episode every Monday and sometimes on Wednesdays when there's little special episodes but enough of that now that the business is out of the way I wanted to read something to you guys. Um, I wasn't going to do this because, one, I was a little... (sighs) I'm not going to say embarrassed, but I was a little um, taken back, I guess is the right terms to use here. Um, Abrehensive is a good one as well. And I was featured in my hometown's um, newspaper and magazine article. So I was actually shockingly placed on the front cover of it. So that 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 that's kind of a that's kind of cool. That's kind of a good. I mean, it's good. Um, you know, I really don't know what to say. You know, I, I I'm a little in awe of it and I'm also trying to stay humble and not be like this is the best thing that's ever happened because what if this is the last thing you know what I mean what if this is the first and the only and the last thing that gets to happen so I'm just trying to enjoy it but also not trying to you know count your chickens before they hatch so I just I wanted to read the article for you guys um if that was cool with you guys, if not, you can fast forward ahead to the uh, actual podcast. But this will be the only thing we do, and then we'll get into the introduction for the show. Um, but I was messaged by my friend Lindy Berryhill, who did this article, and I told a little bit of the story last week. But I, I, I'll go in more, a little bit more depth. And I was, she texted me and she said, "Hey, your article is going out this week," and uh, which was last week no two weeks ago um two weeks ago was when the article went out and i was just trying to let it rest before i just got into this big debacle and reading it but she messaged she texted me and she said hey um your article's going out this week send me over some photos you know i sent her over um one of me and one where i was conducting an interview and then probably my favorite photo that I've ever taken, in my opinion, is with me and my hero and person, the reason doing this podcast, Bobby Bones, and he's holding up the podcast shirt, and I sent that over to her, and she was like, well, tell me the Bobby Bones story, because I'd never told her about this actual incident, and so she said, tell me about 
you know, meaning him. And so here is the article, and on the front page, it's splashed with that picture of me and Bobby. And I put it over on my Instagram at I am Mr. Don Hodge. Just, I, I just said go follow. I just put it up on there. So, um, and I'm gonna read it from the top to the the bottom here. It says Hodgepodge Podcast, Stone County resident making dreams come true on the internet. And then there is a pic, the picture of me and Bobby and the podcast shirt. And then by Lindy Berryhill. And the article goes into it and it says, Stone County resident Dylan Hodge didn't know what a podcast was the first time he heard one. Now, podcasts are his passion. For the past three years, Hodge has been producing the Hodgepodge podcast. His audience has grown from an audience made up of only just close friends and family to more than 4,000 listeners a month. About five or six years ago, I listened to The Bobby Bones Show. I heard it and I knew that's what I wanted to do, Hodge said. Like Hodge, Bones also started producing his own audio shows when he was a teenager. He worked his way up to a nationally syndicated radio show and is a well-known personality in this business. Hodge said he was interested in radio when he realized he could do could do it and produce his own shows. I had to flip the page. Simply with the equipment from home, he began planning his first podcast. A podcast is a digital audio file which can be listened to on the internet or downloaded to a cell phone. Any smartphone has the ability to play any podcast. So the planning took a little over a year. His first episode was produced on his birthday. Hodge published his 281st episode on Monday. So real quick, little background here. Um, it did take me over a year to do the podcast. And the reason I started the podcast on my birthday was because I would know when the anniversary for the podcast is. That's not me being funny. That's me being, there are so many dates in my life and stuff like this that happens that, hey, the easiest thing would be to do this. And that way I would know, oh, I'm this, so this would happen. And just, just to let you know, there are a little, th- there there are one thing in here that is incorrect. So when I do, no big deal. I don't, I don't really care. But there is one thing in here that is incorrect. So if you hear it, don't be flooding me or flooding Lindy. So here we go. I always knew I wanted to work in the music industry, but I didn't know which side of the fence I wanted to work on. Hunt said. I started making simply voice memos on my phone, basically teaching myself how to do everything. Hodge worked through the shyness so he could reach out to potential guests on his show. He also has honing his editing skills since his first episode. Now he is also editing the other audio projects and podcasts for other people. In the future, he'd like to branch out and work on more, but his main focus is HodgePodge. Once he schedules guests, Hodge will record their conversation and edit it. Some of the bigger celebrities he's interviewed are Nashville-based musician Ryan Upchurch, hip-hop artist Big Smo, and a multitude of professional wrestlers and others. At first, he tried to stick with just talking about music, but he loves to feature his other interests. That's why it's called the HodgePodge Podcast. Hodge is my last name, and HodgePodge means a variety of sorts, he said, so I do whatever fascinates me. He has continued to expand his brand and includes more topics as he has grown. Hodge says he has always known he is a very auditory learner. When he wants to learn something new or about a new topic, he always looks for a podcast to help him understand it. He tries to bring an educational aspect to his interviews for others. At his core, Hodge loves the storytelling aspect of podcasts. It's for other people, but it's also for me, Hodge says. I just like other people's stories. When Hodge first premiered episodes, he would publish them as soon as he finished, sometimes a few episodes a week. Now, 
He publishes a movie review each Monday, not just movies in theaters currently, but some older and lesser-known cult hits. He keeps those episodes to a minimum of about three minutes each. Towards the weekend, he releases his full-length 30-minute interview of the week. That's where I told you that was a little... Um, I think it was a little bit confusing because sometimes I say I schedule podcasts for the weekend. So, no big deal. I don't, I'm just very grateful that I got this. So I, They could have got everything wrong and I would have been happy. Toward the week, uh, here we go. In addition to growing his listeners, Hodge wants to move to Nashville so he can be closer to the music industry. It's scary and risky, but he knows it will one day be a reality for him. Hodge sees potential failures as learning curves paving the rocky road to success. I could go up there and fail, you know, but Walt Disney failed. Stephen King, when he wrote Carrie, he got 30 rejections. Steve, Steve Jobs was also kicked out of Apple, Hodge said, but they somehow made a comeback. And you know them from that. You learn from the failures in order to succeed. Sometimes his dreams seem far away, but certain moments they're closer. In 2017, he met his hero Bobby Bones. Technically, it was the third time they had met, but Hodge was able to talk with him and give him his podcast t-shirt after Bones finished the show. Hodge stuck around for the meet and greet. I shook his hand and asked if he could sign the shirt I had on. I was telling him about my podcast. I told him that I had him a shirt and was going to give it to him. It was his idea to hold it up. It was kind of like an I'm proud of you moment in a picture, Hodge said. He had been emailing Bones' manager for over a year, hoping he'd agree to an appearance. As Hodge was leaving, Bones then yells, Hey, talk about me on your show. Hodge responds with, You're the reason I'm doing the show. You changed my life, man. Bones motioned his bodyguard to take Hodge away from the crowd. Bones came over and spoke with Hodge more. He was just giving me words of advice and a giant pep talk, Hodge said. Hodge asked in person if he would give an interview. Bones said, I know. And the reason I've been denying to do your show is because I don't want you to get big because you had me on. I want you to strive and get big on your own. That's so much I believe in you. Bones then hugged Hodge and gave him some final encouragement. Fight, grind, repeat, and Hodge continues to take that advice to heart. So thank you, Lindy, for uh, that, that article. I'm very humbled to even... I was even humbled to even be asked to do some kind of a it's it's weird to get asked questions and this was one of the big secrets that I had been put behind because I, I didn't know if I could talk about it but I just assumed that I told I wasn't that I couldn't I didn't know so I, I didn't say anything about it I just said I had big news and big um, a secret that that, that 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 was happening behind the scenes and this is one of them there's another one that hasn't even started yet, but it it's going. It's in that direction to do it. So, yeah, yeah I I just don't know what to say. Like I, I'm speechless because um, it's weird because I was in Walmart a couple of days ago and um, this guy came up to me. I'd been. Uh, I had been shopping. I, I, it, it was a long day. And he came up to me and he said, Hey, man, what's up? And I said, Nothing much, man. What about you? I knew him, but I couldn't. I, I knew I went to school with him. But I guess in my mind, the back of my head, I had just forgotten because you go to school with, 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 with a good bit of people and you're not friends with everyone in your grade and you're friends with someone above you or below you. And he says... You don't know who I am, do you? I said, yeah, I went to school with you. I said, man, I can't place your name. He gave me his name. 
And I said, oh, okay, I got you. All right, how you been, dude? Do you know he called me a sorry, no good, stuck up person because I couldn't remember one person's name? I don't even think I had a class with him in school. I don't even talk. I don't even think I have him on Facebook or Instagram or any social media. I don't think I have him on anything. And he gets mad because he never. I would see him, but he would never say anything. And then when something figured out you were doing something, he would come up to you. And I just honestly didn't remember his name. And I was all of a sudden the bad guy. So that's one reason why I try to keep shut about it. And I try to. And I've been talking to. As you'll hear on the podcast today, um, I talked to Big Shrimp and I talked to Brittany Beckson a lot. And, you know, I, I, we all have problems and I have some bigger, not really major, but they're bigger in my life problems that I'm trying to work on. And one of them is staying humble and because, and, and not, not, and this is going to sound weird, but I don't want to be the person that has a bad day and they're out in public and you see someone and then you're just, you're, you're a prick or you're a dick because you're just in a bad mood and you don't offer that person a handshake or don't talk to them or, you know, you get a new pair of shoes that cost a couple hundred bucks because you worked hard for them or you got a new vehicle or, you know, you got a new cell phone someone can't, can't have that to me is the biggest bummer of all is because I am punishing myself for, 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 for feeling and for being this way when I think it's absolutely healthy and apparently it's not. So you know I I don't want to be the person that I how can I put this in a simple way that's not going to make me do a lot of explanation? I don't want people to think my head is bigger than what it is. It's not. I'm one of the nicest person. If you get to know me, I, I can be a prick. Anybody can be a jerk that you get to know or you hang out with on a daily basis. Anyone can be just like that. But I'm trying to be the person an advocate for the nobodies, an advocate for the nobodies going to be somebodies because I am still a nobody. I am still a nobody. And it's weird to me because I have somewhat famous friends. Like I have a few country artist friends that have had number ones on the hits. I have friends like that. And I have friends like Smo, you know, and people think because I'm friends with these people, you know, and I text them on a weekly basis and I do this and I get to have all these people on that they no longer have a place of themselves for me. Like friends from school. What what friends I had in school when they weren't picking call me fat, you know, or just being a dick and I just said, screw you, I'm not going to deal with that. Friends that I did have, I, I, and family is the same way. I'm kind of scared that once this happens and once it goes off, they're going to reject me and be. But I guess it's just a jealousy thing. And I think everyone deals with that 
their own way and everyone deals with it to some extent from some person. So I'm not gonna let it get too wrapped on me. So, but I know that was a long that that was a long rant that I went on there. Um, just just putting my feelings out because a lot of people say, "Hey, we need to just hear you talk." You know, I've gotten a lot of emails like that, and then I've gotten some that says, "Shut up, dude, and just go to the podcast." I, I'm trying to make everyone happy here, and I figured this was a little something different. Wasn't just me talking. Wasn't just going straight to the podcast. It was something I was reading, something that happened to me that I am very proud of that's happened. So if you don't like it, I don't want you on the podcast anymore. I don't want you to listen. I want you to go away because once you spread negativity to someone else, someone else is going to spread it to you. And I don't want that on this podcast. I don't want this on this show. So we try to stay as positive as we can, even though we're, even though we're never always positive there we're sometimes we're negative every it doesn't matter the positive person in the world there's going to be a little bit of doubt a little bit of negativity in their life so after that long rant let's go to the introduction for the podcast right after this yo what up Ken folk this your boy Smo and you're listening to the hodgepodge podcast all right, on the podcast, my friends Big Shrimp and Brittany Bexton are back. Brittany Bexton was on a couple of weeks ago, maybe three or four weeks ago, talking about her new book and her new song. But we're here chatting as friends. What was supposed to be a relationship vibe of a podcast turned into something that I'm glad it turned into because it became a very fantastic podcast, very great podcast, a funny podcast, an interesting podcast. It turned into a roast of Big Shrimp and a roast of everyone, really. You know, we were, well, I do this. No, you do this. It was one of the, it, it's not really a bickering fight. It's one of those that just, you get along fights, you know. Um, and I think that's what's, what's, what's beautiful about this podcast here is it's three friends who really genuinely enjoy and like each other, and they love to rib each other and piss them off just to make them mad. <laughs> so you're going to hear, yeah, you, you don't really hear me a lot in, because I'm recording on my end as well, but as you guys going to hear, I've never been in a, in, in a relationship in my life, and I'm 22, so don't judge me, don't hate me, whatever. So I do talk and I do rib Big Shrimp and Brittany a lot and they give it right back to me. So without further ado, let's go over right now to the roast of Big Shrimp. Senior songwriter, how you doing? Hello, I'm good. How uh, are you? Good to have you on. I'm well. I'm excited that uh, we can get together and do this. Are you shrimp tastic? Oh, shrimp tastic. Bottom. Well, I'm so excited that it just pushed me to the bottom of the, of the sea of excitedness. <laughs> I'm drowning in the sea of emotion here. <laughs> and producer Hodge. What's going on, bud? What's going on, dude? I spent the day watching the final season of The Ranch and wasting the day away. 
Yeah, man, you've been doing that all day, huh? <laughs> all day, dude. I've been <laughs> waiting for this for a while. You know, I've never seen one episode of The Ranch. I have. That's funny, uh, you should. Well, I'm a big Ashley Kutcher and Dax Shepard fan, so once they brought them two aboard, I was like, yeah, I gotta watch it. I'm a huge fan. Well, I wouldn't say huge, but I'm a fan of Ashton Kutcher and his work. So I'm not opposed to it. Mm-hmm. I just haven't taken the time to check it out. But I'm sure I will. So how many seasons have there been? Four. They do it in two parts. So like it says eight, but it's in actuality four. So. Gotcha. What about you, Brett? Any shows you're watching? Well, I just finished an old one that I really liked called The Mentalist. Yeah? Yeah. I say it's an old one because I don't believe it's been on the air for a while, but it was seven seasons total. Oh, is that what, um, when I stayed at your house the last time, what, uh, you were watching? Yes. I'm still in the middle of. Yes, the one that you said was good that you kept falling asleep in the middle of. Yeah, really yes, it was. I don't know. I don't, I don't blame you. I don't fall asleep because things are boring. I just fall asleep in front of movies. That's how I go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I I was just comfortable for one. Um, um, in a comfortable place with a good friend and a really cute puppy between us. And I had just been living it up for the last few days, you know, keeping long hours downtown in Nashville. So it caught up with me. But, um, yeah, that's yeah. So it did was uh, interesting. He was snoring like a freight train. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It was horrible. I felt bad. I think she smacked me a couple of times. I think Brittany, didn't you, uh, video or FaceTime us over that or something like that? I sent you a video. Okay. Okay. That's how I know it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Oh yeah, I've got to go back and watch that. Yeah. Let me tell you what you can do with that snore. You can guide ships through the fog. (laughs) I wouldn't put it past that snore, really. It was louder than the TV. That's why I kept smacking him. <laughs> I don't care oh, if you a little, but when I can't hear the show, come on now, wake up. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, it was rough. I I pity anybody that has to go through that. Uh, I don't know, man. I've always been a snorer. But I remember when I was engaged. My, um, the lady I was engaged with, she, she would like just get up in the middle of the night and stare at me. And it freaked me out because I'd wake up like in dead sleep. I'd be like, yo, what's up, man? It's four in the morning. Why are you staring? And she said, I just wanted to make sure you weren't going to die. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> But yeah, I can understand yeah. why she'd be concerned about that because you legit stop breathing and then you're like, <laughs> you know, it's annoying someone you need, like you that. You need a CPAP machine, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I do have I do have a CPAP, and I 
I've been diagnosed with sleep apnea. And I have a CPAP machine here. But I don't take that with me when I go out of town. Um, probably should be more respectful if I'm staying in someone else's place. But you will even if I would have. We well, I mean, to be fair, not like you, you were on the other side of the house at night, but he fell asleep sitting and standing half the time. I know that. Uh, you can't bring your CPAP everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she used to be bad when Brittany and I first started talking on the phone a lot. Um, I think I've gotten better in that regard, but at the time, I would be just on the phone with her in mid-conversation and then either start snoring or I would start... Uh, just not communicating because I was in a dead uh, silent sleep. And she would say, hello, hello. <laughs> well, I will answer a comment with that with a question. How long do y'all talk on the phone in order for you to go to sleep? It wasn't even we- that long. He just has some rare form of narcolepsy that they haven't been able to diagnose yet. <laughs> yeah, but there have been times that Whitney and I have had like two or three hour conversations, but they don't drag. Like, they go by so quickly and naturally that you don't even realize See, that it's been that long. But We've had serious discussions about a few things that took a while. I don't know if it was really three hours, though, but yeah, no, the times in question, we weren't on the phone for that long, and he would literally be talking to me and then fall asleep in the middle of talking. Like, he could be talking, and then he would start snoring. And I would be like, Eric, you're falling asleep. And he'd go, no, I'm not. And I'm like, you were snoring. <laughs> you can't deny that you were falling asleep. I could hear you snoring. Yeah, and then she would go, uh, but Brittany has a few little uh, quotable moments um, that stick out in my mind distinctly. And I often tease her and throw the quotes back at her. And a few I try my best to get her to say by <laughs> being antagonistic. And then she realizes it and she just not going to say it. <laughs> but one of my favorites is, Oh my God, it's such a knock of that. For those of you who couldn't understand that, it was, Oh my God, you're such a narcolept. Yeah what it was and I uh, I woke me up I thought it was so funny I woke up immediately and uh, jotted that down in my memory bank <laughs> so, I think it was that uh, one where you said you wished you had it on a voicemail or something so that you could listen to it over and over again <laughs> yes yeah, I wish I had a recording of it somehow all those little sayings I do, but the thing is, if I have them on recording, then they wouldn't count because it wouldn't be organic. That's what made them so funny to me is, <laughs> you know, the spur of the moment, you were able to just produce such uh, memorable uh, vernacular. Well, we gained a new favorite phrase of yours recently. Um, there was oh my god you're in narco there was there's why no it was it was when you were in town just recently 
I was talking to my mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one was. I never... <laughs> I never... I never pretended Eric was saying, Mom. <laughs> that is so rude, but it's so funny. <laughs> I wish I could have a 15-minute phone conversation besides a podcast interview where I'm actually fully engaged. Because I, I go 15 minutes and I have to get off. It's just something in my brain that's like, I'll talk longer than this and it's just it's going to go downhill quickly. And Big Shrimp, you can say that because how quickly do I try to get oh, off I the phone when I'm on it? I, I just, I just, I, I prefer texting or FaceTime over a freaking phone call. I can't stand it. Yeah, and I'm like, half the time I'll be like, Dude, where are you going? I'm not through yet. <laughs> well, see you, or I'll see you calling and I'll silence it and just be like, I'll give it two seconds and hang up. Let me call you right back. And I'm just sitting on the couch doing nothing. I know. It's so odd. I think that's part of your uh, defense mechanism. Throwing up walls and stuff. All right, well, we're not here to talk about that, so let's not talk about that. It's not a therapy <laughs> session today. Well, that takes us to what Brittany wanted to uh, make sure we talked about earlier, uh, friends holding friends to accountability and challenging the bullshit. But before we get to that, <laughs> before we get to that, if anybody's curious yet, yes, this episode is all about uh, friendship relationships. It's a special one that I've decided I wanted to do for a few reasons. And first and foremost, um, I have been distraught lately for the last month or so that it was brought to my attention that a childhood friend of mine, her name is Kimberly, uh, was brutally murdered. Uh, I had heard rumblings over the last couple of months that she may have been missing. But other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of information. There was just uh, um, photos being passed around saying, if you see this girl, contact authorities. And if you have a backstory, Kimberly, Kimberly and I had a really, really good friendship, if you could call it that, growing up. Her mom and my mom were best friends, and they're still friends to this day, obviously. But Kimberly and I uh, would always have play dates. And I remember a lot of times I would get excited to go to her house. They had a... Uh, um, Sonic the Hedgehog video game. I think he was on Sega Genesis at the time. And I loved playing Sonic with her. And, of course, uh, just hanging out, having a friend to hang out with. Because I never had any siblings. She had a brother. But he was much younger. And he was cool, too, I guess. So that was growing up. And then our paths were separated for quite a while. Because at that time, my family, my mom and I moved back to Johnson City, away from Nashville, which is where she lived. And um, my mom remarried. And then 
her and her family did their thing. And you fast forward a few years, her family moves over by the beach. And I don't really want to say the town. I don't want to be too specific on um, who it is for out of respect to the family. But moved to the beach, and my family and I uh, found out about it. And her mom invited my mom, said, hey, why don't y'all come over and spend a few days at the beach and hanging out. And so that's what we did. And me and this girl, Kimberly, first time we got to hang out for the first time in years. And it was weird because, and I think we'll see this theme later in the episode, our friendship, even though we had gone years without talking or seeing each other, we have grown up, we have gone from being small children to having already gone through puberty at this point. So that's a huge uh, time space that has been um, um, crossed over at that point. And we picked up. It's just like old times. And after that, Devon's touch again, and it's been over 20 years, probably. And then I find out she was missing, and I thought, man, that's horrible. Of course, I didn't know the details. I didn't know if she had ran away, or if she had been kidnapped, or if perhaps there was a warrant out for her arrest, or if she was a fugitive and she was on the run. So I didn't know the details. And I didn't give it a whole lot of thought. It's probably crappy on my part, but it just brought to my attention, I saw on Facebook at one point, RIP, and then I had uh, found out through the grapevine that they had found her dead, and that hit me hard at first, it, and I remember at that very moment, it was like my heart just sunk. And it was in a weird way because a lot of times when you find out about a loved one or a friend or somebody passing away, that's a natural response. But my heart didn't stink in a way that normally it does when I hear about somebody passing away. Um, maybe some of the listeners don't know this, but in a way, I'm sort of... Uh, an impact in a way. I have this ability to uh, feel things. And Brittany knows, I've told her a lot of times in various situations, I don't know what's going on, but I just feel like this presence of death, like the spirit of death. And then, lo and behold, the next day I call Brittany back and I have so-and-so in my apartment building or when I was in a nursing home for uh, physical therapy, so-and-so just passed away. And how strange that I could feel that before they even died. And so, when I got the news that she had died, it really brought this negative energy, negative feeling to my soul, and I couldn't explain it. And I still can't really articulate it very well. And so, a day or two goes by, and then I find out, well, 
Brittany, uh, you got disconnected? I did. It totally dropped it. Oh. Wow. Shame on you. Shame on your phone service. I don't think it was my phone. I'm just sitting in the same spot. I don't know what happened. Weird. I've had five hours. Anyway, so this back to the story. She, um, that's obviously a negative, evil spirit behind murder. And finding out she was murdered is one thing, but a couple of days later, I found out that, uh, how she was murdered. And I'm not going to, for the sake of respect and privacy, and also, um, because I don't want to be too gruesome on the air here, um, the details of the murder are horrendous. Um, basically, over a period of time, and I believe it's speculated it may have been over a period of two days, um, she was tortured in more ways than one. And finally, uh, murdered. And I think it, I think that somebody would kill somebody is one thing because I've always had a fascination with um, the forensic side of things, and I've watched a lot of investigation discovery. And before that became a thing, I've watched a lot of those other shows similar to what's on that channel about so-and-so kill somebody, how do we find out who did it, how do they do it, why did they do it, what was the motive, and ultimately, what was the aftermath of the murder. And those shows have always been interesting to me. But it's so weird because, in a way, even though those are real people, those are people I've never heard of, I've never met, I've never seen. So, in a way, it almost feels fictitious. Yeah. I don't mean that to be... Uh, I don't mean that to sound disrespectful at all to anybody that's listening that's, that's happened to you. But once it happens to somebody you know, or somebody you've had a connection with, I, I immediately uh, got on um, a conversation with Brittany and Hodge and another friend, Jared, and I told him, I said, I, part of my soul just died. Yeah. And um, a lot of times people murder out of an act of rage, recorded crimes of passion. But what this was, what it appears to be, this something that was carried out of pure evilness. There's no other description I can give it other than utter hatred and evil. Um, and I think I'll carry it with me for a long time, maybe the rest of my life. And so to uh, uh, Kimberly's family, friends, if you're listening, I, uh, my deepest thoughts, prayers, condolences. Uh, I'm sure her mother's going to listen. Uh, she shall remain nameless. You know, uh, you know how to get a hold of me? I'm here if you need anything. It's, I can't even begin to fathom what you're going through. I'm so sorry. 
so this whole episode is about relationships and that's the negative side I don't know what her relationship was to the people there were three of them all three much younger than her by the way I don't know what the motive was I don't or I'm sorry I don't know what the uh, well I don't know what the motive was but I don't know what the relationship was I don't know um, she might have not were... go ahead she might not have known them it's, it's, it's possible it's possible I I kind of think that she may have because of where it took place but it's she may not have they had just stumbled into a place and they may have been kidnapped those details I don't know but I can tell you that whether they had a bond or not there are healthy relationships. There are neutral relationships. There are negative ones. Yes. And I think um, Brittany, I'm sure Hodge too, knows full well mm-hmm. that scope, that range from negative to healthy relationships. Did you agree, Brittany? There's a range? So that you know that range, you've experienced that range for yourself. Yes, I mean, although I I don't necessarily think of a relationship as neutral. Although, I mean, I guess you could look at something as one end of the spectrum being toxic, the other end of the spectrum being enriching and enlivening, and the middle part of the spectrum being neither, but you know, more like acquaintance, friends, people that don't harm your life, but not necessarily people that enrich your life on a daily basis either. I don't know. It's hard for me to think of someone who's a neutral friend. I would just say that there are deeper relationships um, with certain people and some that, you know, we're friends and it's good. It's just not a best friendship or something, you know? Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I agree with you. What I meant by neutral was someone that is more of an acquaintance than a friend, maybe a co-worker that you only see at break time and you don't so have shallow, the opportunity. Shallow relationships that just don't have intimate depth. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's the better way to put it, shallow or, yeah, I mean, I shallow is such a negative word. They're not necessarily bad, but, you know, they just lack the deficit that deep friendship would. They do, and a lot of times it's just because um, either time doesn't afford the opportunity to get to know each other on an intimate level, maybe circumstances aren't aligned, uh, so that that can happen, or maybe that two parties involved just don't click. Yep. Maybe, maybe that's it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that guy. He's a cool dude, but you know, that's just it. Don't don't have anything in common. Our 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 spirits, our hearts don't really click. And there's nothing wrong with that. Seven billion people on a planet. You can't be close to everybody. 
I think you can yeah. you can with me kind of somewhat disagree with Brittany because with me and you doing a podcast we meet a lot of people and sometimes there are some people that we uh, stay up to date with on a weekly monthly daily basis whatever you have it and then there's some that's just we do an interview and we go on with our lives so there are some that are neutral friends or what you say shallow friends and there are some that really do honestly become your friends and so I do say that I do have or what you are calling shallow friends and, and, and actually real friends and I wonder if you agree with, 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 with that doing the podcast yeah I do in a way because I uh, I agree there are, there are folks I've had on a podcast that um they were a one-off. We've never talked again, not mm-hmm. even texted. Or and there have been some that have come on a podcast. We connected so well that right. we stayed in touch afterwards. And a couple I talked to on a regular basis. But there have been right. some that I thought would be a cool person. And I always wondered what Bobby meant, Bobby Bones. Uh, regular listeners know he's my biggest hero and I. I've always wondered what he meant when he would say, yeah, that interview didn't go so well, or he would never know, call somebody out, but he'd be like, you know, it's, I've had an interview with certain artists that, you know, it just didn't click, or or, um, or they're different on air than they are in real life in a way that they're not genuine people, they're not um, positive people. Yeah. I always wondered about that, but now I get it. I mean, I've had people on, I've been like, even one, it feels like I'm pulling teeth. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to talk to them. Or two, I could see the um, contrivedness in their voice when they're putting on a show, but it's time for other people to listen. And then see, there have been folks that have come on, and once I've kind of gotten to know them a little bit, I'm like, yeah, that's not really somebody I want to associate with. Well, see, I I feel the same way with you, but but I had that one experience with someone, and they put on a show because I was like, hey, I'm going to start recording, and then all of a sudden, their character and attitude had changed, so that made me have a rule on my podcast that they're not going to know when I start recording, and we're just going to chit-chat our way into the actual podcast. That way, if their character does change, it's going to... Keep real, and the people are gonna listen as I'm listening to this guy change, or this girl change, or they stay the same. So, yeah, I, 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 I've seen that multiple times of they're going here, but they're actually trying to come back to a point, but they're trying to make up a story in the middle to make it more interesting. And it just, it's just, I've had also my bad interviews like you have. You just don't click with a person. You think. The guy's going to be cool. It turns out to be a dick. You know, you, and it's just, yeah, it, it's it's one of those sticky situations that you just don't want to get stuck in. But once you're stuck in it, it's like you got to try to pull your way out one leg at a time. Yeah. It can be, it can be um, interesting for sure. But on the other end of the spectrum, I think, Probably some people would say what a professional part 
uh, job demands that you uh, give everybody their due respect, and obviously I do, but two, that they come on for a purpose, and that's to promote either a project or to promote their brand or their self, and they're not really uh, entitled to a relationship or friendship with that person, right. which is obviously understandable as well. But, and again, there's that thing with connecting and chemistry, having chemistry with somebody. Sometimes yeah. two souls, they, they do, they just connect. And it's not, whether it's intended or not, it, it happens. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of great people, but that doesn't mean all the great people will connect with each other either. So. That, that is true. That is very true. There's, uh, you never know when, where, how you connect with people, but a lot of times the ones you do connect with are uh, beautiful relationships and they, they're fruitful. And that doesn't mean because so-and-so and I may not get along, may not connect, it doesn't mean they're a bad person or I'm a bad person. For whatever reason, our paths just aren't meant to cross right now. Beyond meeting at this point, right. like they're going one direction, I'm going another. We come to a meeting point, and then our paths are to continue going separate ways after. Down the road, we may come to another meeting point. Down the road, we may become best friends. But right now, for whatever reason, it's just not the appropriate time. Actually, speaking of that... <laughs> When I was growing up, I had two different next-door neighbors in the one house next door. When I was really little, my friend Christy lived there, and she was older. She was like a big sister to me. Well, she and her mom moved out, and then a family from France moved in when I was about eight, I think. Anyway, uh, the family from France, they had a daughter. She was the oldest of the kids. She was a couple of years younger than me, and she became like my little sister. We were inseparable, did things together all the time. In fact, our bedrooms were in the same part of the house. We both had bedrooms right at the front of the house. So we had this system where we had bells that we could ding when we wanted to talk, and we each had a walkie-talkie. <laughs> so we could talk wow. in the middle of the night and stuff. And she was She was my little sister. Anyway, her name is Lucy, but what's so funny is when we first met, she didn't speak English, and I didn't speak French, and we communicated by singing and, like, using hand gestures, and I bought some cookies. That was how, that was how I met her, and we ended up going on a walk and skipping down the street singing but funny enough, when she and I got really close later on, she admitted to me that she thought that I was just stuck up and thought that I was too good for her when we first met, which is so funny because we became fast friends and she was like my sister. And I'm telling you, we were inseparable. But sometimes, you know, you get a first impression of someone and it's so different than what's really going to be the case even. So you might not click initially or have some assumption, and then later on it's like they become one of your best friends. I love that. Yeah, that too, the whole first impression thing, in a way it's kind of a myth that 
uh, you can completely judge somebody by the first impression. Because a lot of times, first impression, for a number of reasons, they be uh, flawed. They're flawed. They're not the best. They can um, be skewed, for sure, depending on the situation. I mean, you could meet someone, even if you're really empathic, as I am, too, you can meet someone in a situation where they're really uncomfortable for some reason. Like, mm-hmm. maybe somebody is there that has done something awful to them, and they feel right. very uncomfortable. So you can meet them and pick up on that discomfort or, you know, feeling that they're putting off and just get a really bad feeling, like something's not right about them. And then meet yeah, later on down the road when they're in a totally different environment and not feeling uncomfortable. And you're like, wait, I thought that this person had something weird. Now I click with them, you know, because we all carry what energy we have in the moment into a room. Right. I agree. I think a really good example of the whole first time meeting or first impression thing um, is, let's see what, last year, Easter time. Now listen, folks, for those of you listening, there are only a handful of people, friends, three. I've only got three for Brittany is number three that I have felt comfortable enough with uh, letting them meet both sides of my family. Well, actually, it's not, okay, so some of my loud friends in Nashville have met some of my American family, but not because I introduced them. It's because my American family showed up to the church service or to whatever, and they just mingled. But I'm talking as far as fully engaging, fully meeting. I've only got three friends that <laughs> have that both sides. Uh, the first one was Jared. Mm-hmm. Jared and I have been best friends for uh, 25 years now, 26 years. And it was inevitable that eventually, uh, I see grew up across the street from me. He always knew my mom, my stepdad, my brother, and myself. It's inevitable eventually he'd meet my dad, but she did a few years down the road. And then he would meet my wild grandparents. And that happened um, when he went to Nashville uh, on one particular occasion. And I was comfortable. I was eager to introduce him. Another friend... Nehemiah, another really good friend of mine. He's met both sides multiple times. And then there's Brittany. And so if if you ever meet both sides of my family and it's because of me, uh, you better believe you got a special place in my heart. And Which, by the way, to meet my family, period, because of me, if I bring you around anybody in my family, it, it, you're special. I'm kind of guarded when it comes to my family. Uh, that said, this past Easter, Brittany and I, we go to my grandparents' church, um, I think Good Friday. It had a um, Good Friday dinner, Bible study kind of thing, and then a foot washing um, uh, celebration or what have you. And so we get there, and by the way, completely unannounced, I told one of the ladies that goes to my grandparents' church, I was coming, let's bring a friend, because we had RSVP for the dinner, so they knew how much to make, 
and I obviously wanted to know the details of uh, what time did it start, you know, and all of that good stuff. But apparently she did tell my grandparents I was coming. I didn't either. I wanted it to be a surprise. And so we pull up to the church, and we walk in to the big, uh, this big room in the back where everybody was. <laughs> we walk in, and one of my friends immediately uh, comes out, and I says, hey, and I introduced him to Brittany. And then we walk in, and my grandfather's over to the far left, and I walk over to him. He's had his back turns towards me. I tap him on the shoulder. He turns around. And he's like, whoa. Like, he's shocked to see me. <laughs> and we hug. And then immediately he sees Brittany and gives her a hug, which is the sweetest thing ever. <laughs> so we go over, like, 50 feet the other direction <laughs> to some tables. And I sit, pull up a seat beside my grandmother. <laughs> she wasn't well, that happy as a camper. At any point, are they thinking that you two are a thing? Yeah, we're just um, that. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay, okay. You gotta wait for yeah. the baseline here. Maybe, maybe I ruined the baseline. His grandmother would not even talk to me. I mean, she would not look at me. I was oh. like, that woman does not like me. I don't know what is going on here, but she is not happy that I am here. Uh, it was the... Uh, the whole reason for the contempt was she had thought I had gotten married, had a girlfriend, gotten married, and didn't even tell her about it. Oh. That I never brought this good new, new, new girlfriend over to meet the family. Never. Um, <laughs> they weren't even invited to the wedding. I mean, she had this whole drawn-out <laughs> scenario. I heard story in her head. Dude, your yeah, the whole thing was in her just head. like my family because they would freak out if someone wants to do that. Now they would just be like, "Well, how do we know that she's not a murderer? How do we know she didn't rob a bank before? What, what does that matter?" Yeah, <laughs> sounds just like how mine would act. Well, in a way, I do understand my grandmother feeling right, that way in a way course. because I, both my dad and my dad's brother, they did that. My dad just showed up to Nashville when I was two years old. My grandparents hadn't seen him in four years. They had no idea he had a girlfriend, a wife, or a baby. Mm-hmm. And then my uncle, his brother, uh, got married and brought his wife over, new wife over to the house. Um, Ta-da, it's my wife. And so in a way, she was kind of like, I guess it's what the men in her family do. So in a way, I kind of, I kind of get it, but so I, God, there was so much tension. I know I, it was so awkward. Brittany was to my left, my grandmother was to my right, and she just kept giving us dirty looks. And then Brittany walks away. Brittany walks away to get me food because she she went to get my plate, get her plate, and brought it yeah, back. Yeah, see, see, my see, you, you could, you could. <laughs> That makes well, it worse. Well, I'm sitting there going, does she hate me because I hugged her husband when we walked in? I don't know what's happening right now, but she hates me. <laughs> and she goes, uh, <laughs> Brittany's uh, gone away at this point, getting me food. She mm. turns to me, and she's speaking loud. You know, obviously, uh, that's her English is in the best. She goes, is that your wife? <laughs> <laughs> 
to translate to her, or when we've gone to the store before, uh-huh. like to Walmart or to wherever, when they went to buy furniture, uh, somebody else would do the talking in English and translate it with her. Uh, she just feels more comfortable that way. And and before any haters get on it, says, oh, she did America, she should learn English. Well, <laughs> she didn't learn it to be efficient, but got to keep in mind that her whole social network has been in Alao English. Her family, everybody's Lao and Alao home. So she goes grocery shopping. She goes to the Laotian market, the Lao store, where everybody's speaking Lao. She used to be uh, Buddhist. She goes to the Buddhist temple. Everybody spoke Lao. Then she started going to church, went to a Laotian-speaking church. Everybody spoke Lao. And uh, then she worked at a factory, a couple of different factories, and she also worked at a uh, for a suit tailor, tailor making suits or yeah, tailor making suits. And guess what? Hmm. All her coworkers spoke loud, and so it's not like she's had a whole lot of people that speak uh, fluent English to really develop her English skills with. I just wanted to throw that in there before anybody starts hating on her, but. The point of that scenario, bringing up the whole scenario, was that the first time may not be the best, but the second time certainly can be. Yeah. Now, are they best friends? No. Will they be? Probably not. There's a huge age gap there, no language barrier, but mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're in a good place. And yeah. That's the perfect segue into Brittany. Can a male and a female that are in the same age range be friends, close friends, with no sexual interest, tension, with no romantic aspirations at all? Is that possible, Brittany? Absolutely. Is it healthy, Brittany? Yes. And, Brittany, if one of the two of us were to get into a very serious relationship with somebody and even do get married, well, you and I have to end our friendship because of it. No, definitely not. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to a particular individual that I've met, much older person, and I don't know if it's just her way of thinking or what, but... But I've been in a nursing home a few times for therapy, physical therapy. Uh, I befriended a few different patients, one of which uh, uh, became a pretty good friend of mine. But she has this weird philosophy. And I checked it out with her brother, and it's legitimate. Her brother uh, said that she's always ran off men in her life when they've got a girlfriend. Uh, no matter how good of friends they were, she just shoved them completely. She sat down with me one day because at the time I was pursuing a particular woman, particular lady, uh, not a patient, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, someone that's a perfectly healthy and a functioning member of society, independent. I was pursuing her, and this lady sat down with me and said, well, now you know, Eric, if you and so-and-so ever become a thing. That's the end of our friendship. <laughs> and I was like, wow. what do you mean? I said, what do you mean? She says, 
men and women can't be friends, especially if one of the two of them is in a relationship. It's just, it's just not healthy. It doesn't work. And I, she really means it. And I talked to her earlier today because uh, I wanted to make sure that I didn't have this wrong before I came on air. And she confirmed, oh, no, that's right. That's, that's how I feel. <laughs> and uh, I just want to say at the outset, that's completely ludicrous. I am not a uh, fan. I'm not a fan of Joe Biden, but Joe Biden uses the word that I like a lot. Malarkey. That's that a whole bunch of malarkey. malarkey. It is malarkey. Uh, so that's Ricky not Joe I, Biden's term, by the way. It just happens to be one. Oh, yeah. I, I know it's not his term, but it's a term <laughs> that's become so synonymous with him that people on the far left, the progressives, and people on the right make fun of him or using it as much as he does. Uh, they, they use jokes in reference to him and use the word malarkey, but do that as it may. Um, Brittany and I, as we demonstrate throughout this call or this podcast episode, have a very close relationship. And I've stayed at her house many times. She's been to my house. Uh, to be clear, this is absolutely platonic, and he stayed on the opposite end of my house. I was getting to that, Brittany. Okay. Okay. Golly. We all I was getting, getting to that. sound real warm and fuzzy there for a second, so I wasn't sure. Well, well, uh, you got to set it up, Brittany. Then you developed it. <laughs> so I've, I've stayed at her house many times. She at my, she's been to my house. I have... Uh, I love her little doggy buddy almost as if he was my own child. Oh, I mean, he is just precious. He constantly he, just, threatens to steal him from me. I do. And I asked if she'll tell him to me or bring him. Or <laughs> I love that dog. So, uh, Brittany and I never once uh, had romantic feelings towards one another. We've never once had any uh, desire to be intimate sexually, never kissed, and we never will. Nope. And unless somehow Cupid decrees that it happened, which I doubt very much that it'll happen. And it's the but we can still have a relationship that is so strong that uh, we know each other well enough that she calls me out of my bullshit a lot. And it can fight like cats and dogs and and uh, like an old husband and wife, they can argue and then still walk away from it uh, with a love and appreciation for the other. Brittany, your commentary? I don't know if I would say like an old husband and wife because I don't fight with partners the way that I fight with you. Okay, well, I, okay, but... it's an expression, <laughs> hey, but go ahead. <laughs> I fight with you like I fight with a brother, <laughs> and it's different. But, uh, yeah, I think that a good friendship, you can call each other out on your BS. And I think that good friends of the opposite sex can be especially good with that because we can see things and patterns and whatnot in the other and in different areas of life that maybe someone of the same sex wouldn't just because they don't have the same or because they have different perspectives. 
and also it's uh, beneficial in a way that if one party is having questions about another uh, individual, saying, I don't know if he likes me, or I don't know if what does she mean by this. Sometimes you can uh, run it by the friend of the opposite sex and get their perspective on what does the girl mean when she says this or, or when she's acting this way. What does the guy mean when he says that? And obviously, um, those uh, methods aren't foolproof, but they're certainly helpful in navigating different uh, situations in life. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think friends in general are good with that, you know, sometimes. Well, in general, we are all human, and we all have emotional reactions to things. Sometimes the emotional reaction is fear, sometimes it's anger, sometimes, you know, sadness or upset, and, you know, we all also have habits that relate to that. But sometimes it just takes a good friend to be like, whoa, 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 your feelings don't match what's going on right now, you need to take a step back. But I will say that sometimes it's that much more helpful when it is the opposite sex because you get a whole other perspective on it, you know? I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And uh, through my this friendship, uh, we have, uh, I've, made, I've made friends with one or two of Brittany's friends and uh, and he's not allowed near. <laughs> okay, you see, there we go. It's not because of them, folks. It's not because of the loss that I'm not allowed near. God Almighty, Brittany, clarify. I'm not some deviant. No, it's because one of them is very attractive. And Brittany's like, there's no way in hell. And the, uh, well, the other one, she's very pretty, but um, I don't think it would work out anyways. But anyways, but... Then on the other, on the flip side of that. But he loves me, yeah. Anyway, go on. <laughs> on the flip side of that, uh, because of my friendship with Brittany, Brittany has met two of my friends, and uh, we friended them as well, Jared and uh, Hodge. Matter of fact, the four of us have a chat log uh, that we're in on Facebook. We call it the Shrimp Crew. No, it's a weird name, but it is what it is. Let me interrupt you. Not really when you consider the name of your podcast, but anyway. True. And we all four get along very well. And uh, it's, uh, I think that Whitney has uh, gained more perspective on me by befriending them. And a lot of times, Hodge and I speak in relationships. We're we're partners to this thing. If sometimes we have a falling out or a disagreement, and <laughs> who do we go to? We go to the reasonable one, the sound one, uh, for advice and help or mediation. I just asked. Uh, can, our- can you all guess who the sound reasonable one is? Well, the sound well, reasonable uh, one is the one that pisses me off more than the one that pisses me off to begin with. Is the one that that's it. you say that pisses you off more than the one that yeah because you off because you say it because I'm thinking I'm like she doesn't get but you say yeah. it just like it is and sometimes that makes it it just ticks me off and I'm just like you know what screw this I don't even want to do it anymore it's just, <laughs> it just yeah, I mean, that's I'm, it. I'm, I'm text, that's the go ahead 
that's the accountability aspect. I was going to get to that in a second. Uh, yeah, she calls me out of my shit too, dude, and tells me like it is. And dude, I threatened to kick her out of the shrimp crew a couple of times because <laughs> I did it once. But um, do you remember? I, I know you both remember, but um, you both had that big falling out a couple of months ago. Yeah, right? that's what I was trying to right say. Before Christmas, you, because because. You do big shrimp. I, everybody listening, this is true. Brittany will back it up. You have a tendency to annoy at times. Like, let's say if I'm busy doing something, I don't answer my phone. You'll call back to back, which I have no problem with because sometimes I don't hear my phone or my phone's on silent or it's somewhere. Okay, here we go. And then, and then, you will text me. Are we me. talking about Eric's zero to one thousand reaction? Yes, about a month 100%. or so ago. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he will text okay, and all, say, "Hey, call me now." A S A P. I have something to tell be, you. It is very it important. And then I will call, thinking something is the matter. And he goes, "What time are you free tomorrow?" What the fuck? Okay, here's the deal. Eric is the king catastrophizer. Oh, God. He catastrophizes all the time. Right, 100%. So, like, call me ASAP. It can be 3 in the morning. Yep. Call me ASAP. It's really important. And then you call, and he's like, hey. Little mother, girl, I you're am like, sleeping. are you dying? Because if you're sleeping. not dying, it's not that important right now at three in the morning. Oh, well, there you have it, folks. It's what friends are for. They hold you accountable to the bullshit, and they put up with the bullshit. And we put up, <laughs> you, we put up more with it than you have to put up with it. Because it takes some kind of a okay, special well, for, kind of, of all, ability to be your friend sometimes. Because sometimes. I feel we're being hundred percent honest here. Sometimes I'm like, I wish sometimes I never met that dude because sometimes he just pisses me off so good that I just want to end everything. One of one of uh, Eric's favorite phrases that I've ever said to him, I can't remember exactly what it was. You might, Eric. It, it was something about us being friends. What what was it? Oh, uh, yeah, I do remember what it was. I'm not going to say it on the air now. He said. <laughs> I don't even know why. I, was, I don't even know why we're friends sometimes. Oh, that just hit me in the heart. That's rude. No, except he loved it. He thought it was hilarious and amazing and kept bringing it up and laughing about it. So don't say it hit you in the heart. Yeah, now, to be, clear, to be clear, I said it because he has this habit of loving to make me mad. He loves, loves making me mad. He will go out of his way to disgust me and make me mad. <laughs> well, uh, uh, part of it is the way you respond. All right, when you say why, <laughs> and I don't know if they got on the air or not. If we were talking off there or if it's the beginning of the podcast, but one of my favorite things to do is to try to get Brittany to say why and. Now she recognizes what I'm doing. She'll say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to say it. But this last time I was there with her, something else had happened in the car. I forget what it was. 
Oh, I think it was the guy that cut us off that she cussed out like relentlessly. <laughs> but I did not just... cuss him out relentlessly. I'm not that bad. Uh oh. I may have told you what you shouldn't have done. I don't know, Brittany. I we have, we have been over three way FaceTime or whatever it's called, and you have been excessively angry, and I've heard you drop more f bombs than than a sailor. So I I don't know if I agree <laughs> with that. You know. Well. <laughs> anyways, uh, uh, Brittany can be a little uh, uh, excessive and liberal sure, with her. There you go. A little free giving with her f bombs. I like the F word too. It's okay, you know what? I can go months without swearing, and then some days it's just my favorite word. And air is the main word, the main cause for sometimes. Have you heard that? Have you heard that audio track? Uh, it, it it came out I think in the late nineties, describing the word fuck and all the usages it has and the benefits of using the word. Well, it's it's really an emphasis. Be good or bad. Yeah, but there is that's still a good sometimes when it's released as good. You do realize that now this is officially an explicit episode. I'm just saying. Yes, it is. Well, well yeah. Unless some of my episodes are set, Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, look, I need to get back to the point of this before we go down this rabbit hole. That's too deep to return out of. <laughs> um, uh, Yes, I can be a little erratic. I can be quirky. Uh, I do have some weird nuances. I do admit. I do panic and want to talk to somebody right now at 3 a.m. However, one incident in question uh, involved a legal matter. Uh, that is true. That involved an attorney. That is true. And uh, that, that was... Uh, that was a legitimate way. emergency. Right, We're not exactly. talking about the legitimate emergencies. I'm not talking about uh, waking me up at 3 o'clock in the morning because a word is misspelled in the description of the podcast. <laughs> you made it. You put a double space between and and that. That needs to be fixed right I've now, God. And I'm just... Woke from him late at night that I've silenced because I was trying to go to sleep. And then... Two seconds later, he texts me, hello, and then he texts, it's important, it's time sensitive, and I texted him back, I'm sure it's not an emergency. Let me tell you what he did to me yesterday. He texts, I was, we were talking about a podcast, what was it, Talk is Jericho, I think, and I said, hey, I think you should listen to this episode, it's pretty good. Instead of texting, he calls me, and I'm like, God damn, let me, let me see what he wants. So I answered, and I said, hello. He goes, what's the Talk is Jericho episode about? Dude, are your fingers broken where you cannot text me that? <laughs> it was a literal 15-minute wow. conversation about, well, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if I believe it, but man, I might give it a try. I don't really listen to it every day, but I might have to try it out. By the way, what are you doing? I'm getting something to lunch. Oh, that sounds fun. What are you eating? Uh, food. Oh, well, that's cool. I'm going to go over here tomorrow. Food, <laughs> food is a regular topic of conversation on the shrimp crew, though. Everyone yeah. shares their food. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, we're all foodies. But now listen now. That was 
Well, I don't, I, I don't want to sit and look at my screen for 20 minutes to keep typing back and forth. Dude, um, if you could talk I had a job for I had a job, dude. I had a job for years where I had to freaking sit there and type back and forth and correspond through email and text with people. And it burnt me out. Like, if I could, I would just completely push for legislation that uh, outlawed texting. It, it, it's, it, I hate I, I prefer talking. I do. I wouldn't vote for you. But. I, would not I know, I'm, I know, I know. It's weird. It's just me. I knew text. I do, but I prefer talking. Now, but, here's here, uh, here's here's where I stand oh, with texting and talking. Can I pull my ass out from under the bus you threw me under for a minute? No, <laughs> let me run over you one more time. Uh, oh my god. Here, no, I'm just gonna give you my stance on texting and talking on the phone before you say I would much rather text than talk. Now, if there's something that I have to get an answer to right away. I'm going to call you, but I never need an answer right away because you always have your phone on you and you text me back in 0.2 seconds. So there's no need. <laughs> All right. Anyways, we've already established I'm not normal and folks, believe me, I'm not normal. I'm so abnormal that both of my parents have told me on separate occasions for separate reasons, they wanted me to know I wasn't normal. The first one is my mother telling me like two years ago, Eric, honey, please be normal, please, please be normal. <laughs> and then my father and I on the phone because of my weird sleeping habits that they are not consistent at all. He calls me like a month ago, we're talking, and so I'm surprised you're awake at this time. And I'm like, well, hello, it's noon or whatever. He says, yeah, but for a normal person, but you're not normal. <laughs> and so I get it, I'm not normal, okay? <laughs> But I will say this. Um, I do get a little quirky and, you know, whatever. I want a response right now. I don't know why I panic. I do, I do, I do panic when I have something in my mind. Oh, my God, I've got to know right now. There's no waiting. Yeah, but you also, but anyways, think, but you also think that... Oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not Dude, trying We to... have gone so far down this rabbit hole. So far, it's your turn. They got it. The audience, the listeners get it. They get it. I'm nuts. I was trying to be sincere, but you're the one that turned it to the roast of Big Shrimp, not me. No. Uh, Whatever. Have you been barbecuing yourself? Are we putting a little shrimp on the barbie? Hey, you smell that? I think you've been roasting. I would. I'd ask for shrimp right now. Okay, anyway, so the point of it was, the point, the whole point of the thing was, I wanted to talk about how Britney sustained one, and Hodge and I uh, sometimes have disagreements or whatever. God almighty, folks, you just got to be okay. careful. I just wanted to I will hear. say, I have, <laughs> I, I have been generous by not throwing Hodge under the bus. He drives me nuts too, folks. But I will say this, so he and I, a lot of times, a lot of times he and I uh, argue or whatever, Brittany is just saying one that, that almost everything, as a matter of fact, we just had a, this head knocking thing a few weeks ago, and, and Brittany had just told me, because I wanted to, I said, Brittany, we need to talk right now, and she said, can it wait, 
I said, I'm in bed or whatever. And I'm like, whatever. Hodge and I do something when we have this argument. And I'm like, we need, we need to talk tomorrow. <laughs> we need mediation. That's what we call it when we go to Brittany. And Hodge they says, both. Yeah, tell her about it now, Eric. So we, it, Hodge says, tell her about it now, Eric, so we can get mediation now. <laughs> so, so Brittany, Brittany just told me an hour ago she was in bed. And then well, Brittany's the next day. It's like, what's that? Brittany the next day says, is that what you originally contacted me about? And I said, no. It was something else. But then Hodge decided he needed mediation right away. So we went ahead and walked you up. No, but, but, here, but here's why I say that. Because sometimes you don't stop. Like, you don't calm down. Like, I'm like, dude, you're taking it too seriously. Calm down. You go, no, I'm not mf -er. I'm taking it very fucking serious. And then we go to Brittany and she'll say, Eric, it's nothing serious. And you go, okay, I'm sorry. See, there's no need to go to that for you to realize that. And that, that's sometimes that's what it is. Like we we disagree mm. over like where 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 we think the podcast should go because we we have the same we have the same mind frame. I think it's just we have different ways we want to get there. Like we don't differ over it. We all want in the same. I place. think we're both stubborn. We're, we're both so, stubborn. We're both type A's in a way. You can be friends with someone and not agree on everything and even fight. Yeah. Yes. And but, but still also, be friends. Picture, and, the moral is. And, oh, Jesus. The moral and, is. And other morals of the story, it helps to have a friend like me that's willing to mediate. Of the opposite sex. Yes, someone that is platonic, that is just of the opposite sex, that uh, is able to articulate differently than you two. We've got a lot of testosterone going between the two of us. Someone with a lot of estrogen can come in and say, "You're both buttheads. You both need to calm down." And you got it. You said you. I think you are both overly sensitive. I think you are both uh, overly dramatic at times, and you're both wrong. Every time you actually said we're both wrong, you've never once said one was more right than the other. But you said we're both wrong every time, just about. No, there I was one time. I called you both out on your BS and told you which things to apologize for. Yes. So you're a just filter. Thank you. Being a just filter and a just friend. Sometimes anyway, it's you're right both along. wrong, and sometimes it's you're both right in some ways, and you're both wrong in others. So fix it. And so that's the whole uh, benefit is the accountability aspect. Well, then uh, also uh, there's what? a thing that's I not, not being cocky by me, but I've done a podcast longer than you have, and so that's why I'm thinking oh. you just have to listen to me. I know. It's not going to look like it now, but listen to me. Listen how I've started mine and got you on, and listen to me. Just but you're, but th this is what you do. You constantly go, no, it has to be this way. It has to be this way, and I'm just like, listen. It no, it, it doesn't have to be that way every time. If you just listen to me, sometimes. no, we need to move on. Really, You're both uh, wrong. the listeners have tuned out by now. They don't want to hear hear us bicker. Anyway, so there you have it, folks. That's the now, benefit of uh, Eric and Dylan bicker like an old married couple. I'm just the same one, and you know, let me just point out that in this conversation, who has been the same one that we've all re re referenced? Me, the woman. I just thought that that was a necessary thing to point out. Just saying. Yeah, and the one that's remained calm the whole time. Imagine that. <laughs> so accountability, accountability is huge. Everybody needs uh, uh, someone in their life that 
um, isn't afraid to remind you of when you are uh, falling short. And that person needs to be somebody that you respect and that you know they're not doing it out of ego or they're not doing it to be a bully. Um, that is that a genuine concern and care. And Brittany has been uh, that for me a lot. And not just with Hodge, but in other parts of my life, when I needed clarity or needed um, to have that wake-up call, so to speak, Brittany has been the one that said, hey, I think uh, you're being an idiot right now. And I listen. So it is what it is. And speaking of accountability, and you're an idiot right now, I'm going to say, you know, our segues have been perfect tonight, by the way. I have this, I don't know if the word epiphany is the correct word, or I had a realization, something that just hit me over New Year's Eve, um, 2019, going to 2020. I was the Honky Tonk Central corner of 4th and Broad, downtown Nashville. I refer to it as my church. Those of you that follow me know it's my favorite bar on the planet. And so I originally was going to go uh, elsewhere uh, to a religious ceremony for New Year's Eve. But I got the location wrong. I went all the way out to the location. They were closed. I had to turn around and go all the way back downtown. And Brittany... Um, has been somebody that has been consistently telling me I need to slow my role with the women. Put it lightly, because I love women, I do. And it can be a problem a lot of times um, when I get involved and indulge in my love for women. So, you know, that's been weighing on me a lot over the last few months, the Brittany and I have had uh, several conversations on the topic. And um, I'm not getting any younger. None of us are, by the way. But <laughs> I, <laughs> well, unless you're dead, I mean, well, everybody listening and everybody on the podcast, the three of us and everybody listening, obviously time is progressing and we're progressing with it. I don't know. I'm aging backwards. I'm just getting wiser every Every okay. Okay. Yeah, be careful now. You're still young enough that if you keep aging backwards enough, you're going to go into the age of non-existence. Oh, but, enough, enough. <laughs> but no, seriously, I, I do. I uh, I worry about it. I think about it a lot because I do want to have that family someday. And now I'm not going to reveal it on the podcast, but I've recently taken certain measures in my life. <laughs> to help, help ensure that that can happen in a healthy manner. Hodge, F you, Brittany, I know you think it's funny, too. I am laughing, but it, it was his maniacal chuckle that really made me laugh. 
Well, oh, when, it is when, when it we is, first bro. realized what it was, my first thought, without saying anything, my first thought was, he done effed up his life. Here we go. Yeah. But anyways, uh, <laughs> so I'm taking a couple of measures, uh, and I, uh, and a lot of it is because I wanted to, but after what happened to me on New Year's Eve, it really became a reality. I, loneliness sucks. And I'll just go ahead and say it. Um, free sex, uh, meaningless sex, it feels good in a moment. But, and if anybody's listening and you disagree with me, you're a liar. It, it's, it sucks afterwards. It is, it's not pleasant. And um, I've had a, my fair share of experiences, and I can tell you that's been the consistent case. And um, I was uh, sitting there by normal seats on New Year's Eve, and the band was rocking, and of course the bar was full. And right when the countdown happens from 10, 9, 8, right to the new year, Obviously, all these couples turn to their partner, you know, they kiss, they make out, whatever. And I realized at that time, I'm sitting there by myself with my own personal bottle of champagne. <laughs> nobody to share it with. Nobody to kiss. And uh, it hit me. Now, granted, I was in a bar setting, and I'm sure some of those folks uh, may not be committed, or maybe they are. I don't know. It's none of my business. And I'm not <laughs> saying you got to go to a bar to look for love. I'm not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is that I realized at that moment, loneliness, loneliness sucks. And so I left, and I went back to my room alone, like a bed, alone. Now... The day before that, uh, me and a particular lady, who shall remain nameless, uh, and the grown-up thing, and she's a very attractive girl, someone that's out of my league, someone that I do like a lot, but it was void and empty, like they feeling uh, uh, broken and uh crummy inside and nothing to do with hers because it was unfulfilling and meaningless relation. Now I have a question before you move on. You said she were named nameless. Is that because you don't want to put her out there or is that because you don't know her name? Okay. You see rude, rude, rude. Although I'm guilty of those that don't know their name. Okay. I do know her name. <laughs> I, know her, I know her name very well. Okay. Um, I do too. That's, I was just gonna throw some dark humor out there. I'm sorry. That's that's, that's how I had to get through life. Okay. No, I did it. I did it. Uh, she's a good person, and uh, well, whatever. So, uh, I don't even know where I'm gonna go. Where I'm going with this, but I do know that I have that moment, and I don't know, Brittany. Go ahead. You have anything to add? 
Um, I mean, not exactly. I, I would say you pretty well summed it up. I mean, I think any of us that have had a chance to sell wild oats at different points in our life know that there's a difference between something meaningful with someone that you're connected to and something that isn't. This is like kind of off topic and off base, but also related. Okay. I didn't grow up in a typical church setting because my family didn't really go to church. I did. I sang in church choirs. I went to youth group. I mean, when I was really little, my family did, but then my dad started falling asleep in the pews, and that was the end of that for my mom. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> they only That's came funny. if I was singing in the church choir that Sunday, and then they'd all come. But, you know, I think a lot of people that grow up in church well, you know what? I will say, by and large, I think a lot of people in this world grow up with a, a sick and a twisted sense of sex and what it is and what it means. They no. either... Obviously, the entertainment industry doesn't help in that regard, by the way. No, they are either taught to treat it casually and that it's not meaningful and it doesn't matter because they were treated that way or abused when they were younger or they watched other people treat it that way or... They were taught that sex was evil and bad and to avoid it at all costs and anything related to it. Well, neither of those perspectives is healthy, you know? And I would say that a lot of people that grow up in church grow up with this sense that sex is bad, you know? And I have always said that I am so grateful that the youth pastor that I had was the youth pastor that I had because we, when I was in high school had a night where we addressed the topic of sex, and he basically said, look, God doesn't hate sex, God loves sex, God created sex, it's a good thing, but God wants you to have great sex, and you can't have great sex unless you're in love with somebody and you feel safe. Okay. Now, there's definitely uh, an aspect of healthiness and fulfillment, and it is, it's, it's unfulfilling if it's not done in the appropriate way, it, it is, but yeah. I, uh, I don't know, I mean, Brittany has tried to counsel me many times that, uh, dude, it's time to, enough, enough of that, uh, recklessness. And, um, again, that goes back to the whole accountability thing. Uh, a lot of friends would be celebrating, like, yeah, hell yeah, that's awesome. Some would probably roll their eyes and say whatever, but pretty cares enough that she's like, okay, it's getting to be a bit much. You need to calm down. So, again, Brittany, I say thank you. And... I'm going to end closing. The whole aspect of relationships, friendships, and romantic relationships, or platonic relationships, or uh, any type of relationship, is for them to be healthy, we got to be completely reciprocal. If one party is doing all the taking while the other is doing all the giving, that is not a relationship. That is selfish. 
and that is um, that's, that's going to die. It's not going to end well. Yesterday, a friend of mine hit me up, and he and I have known each other for actually since we were uh, babies, probably two or three. I've known him. Uh, his he's got a couple of brothers, one of which I used to idolize before he passed away unexpectedly. And um, the dude hit me up a few days ago, and it's like, "Hey, man, I want to holler at you at that school. When are you free?" And I said, "Yeah, definitely good." And we arranged to talk yesterday. Uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Kimberly, me and this guy, even though we've known each other, we've been friendly uh, all these years, and even uh, we just saw him at the Easter thing that I was talking about with Brittany earlier. Uh, he was there. Even though we've been friends all this time, it's been years since we've spoken. Beyond a, hey, what's up? Uh, an actual meaningful conversation. But yesterday... Uh, he calls and uh, talk about a few different things. And our conversation went down this deep, deep rabbit hole, a philosophical rabbit hole. And it ended up being like two hours. And uh, a lot of what we talked about was relationships and reciprocalness of them. And I thought, how funny, how appropriate was the timing that Moy, that's his name, and I would have this conversation right the day before uh, Hodge and Brittany and I would come on through the podcast about relationships. It's so funny how timing works out in life. Uh, there's got to be some type of a divine purpose behind a lot of what goes on because if not, or divine intervention, if not, it just doesn't make sense because timing, the way it works out, is just mind-blowing if you think about it. Okay. So he and I talking a lot about it, but how do you keep that urgency of appreciation, you know, um, and life in general, and a lot of it is, I feel like life is, um, what makes life so precious is the value of it, or the quantity or the volume of years is not known. Of the equation. Average lifespan may be 70, 75. Some folks would be 100. A lot of folks die when they're 20. It's one of those things that time, no one knows how much of it you've got left. What's spent is gone. It's never be regained. And what is, uh, what you got now is all you really can be sure of. And so, you take that, couple that with relationships, the people you choose to invest your time in and spend time with, it makes relationships that much more valuable. And a lot of people are reclusive and they try to um, put up walls and avoid people and avoid relationships, avoid accountability. And in a long run, they're only hurting themselves because I can tell you through my friendships with Brittany, 
Taj, Jared, uh, with, with other individuals in my life that I consider true friends, I have only grown and I have only seen uh, positive come from it. So I embrace them. And I'm very thankful for them. And I hope the listeners that if you're somebody who has trust issues or you have vulnerability issues, I would hope that you find a way to overcome them and embrace friendship and relationship yourself. I do know that on the flip side of that, there are negative uh, experiences, negative relationships that breed negative experiences. That's inevitable. But don't let the one bad apple tarnish a whole basket of apples. Really, truly, if one apple has a rotten part on it, I wouldn't do it. I'm a little more picky, but I've seen folks cut out the rye need to rest. Yeah. Take out the bad and embrace the good. Um, well, and you have I'll any- take it a step further than that because it's not necessarily one bad apple. I mean, I think I I know from my own experiences and watching people I care about too, it can be easy once you've been in a negative situation to sort of fall in a pattern of that and then believe that all relationships or situations would be like that and kind of develop a fear of what that means. But in the midst of recognizing that a relationship wasn't good or a bad apple, as Eric put it, you have to recognize the things that made that a bad apple, which I guess would be the cutting out of the rotten part. I don't think that you can take an unhealthy or abusive relationship and make it good, but I do think that you can examine it, and if we're going with the metaphor of an apple, look at it and see what the rotten spots look like. Yeah. they smell like, feel like, all of that, so that as you kind of move forward, you know what to look for, you know what to be aware of so that you don't fall into that situation again. And if you are in a situation where it's unclear, but there's some, like, potential fears around it, you also know how to poke and prod at it to see if it's going to be something that's lasting or if that's kind of another rotten spot, you know? It's about sort of developing that discernment because I think it's really easy when you've dealt with unhealthy situations to get down on yourself about that or about falling for a situation like that. Mm -hmm. But really what you have to remind yourself is now you know better and you know what to look for. Oh, that's it. You definitely have to be able to identify what the rot is, what it looks like, how it smells. The same thing with uh, food, an apple. You know what the rotten part of the apple is. Um, I could tell y'all an incident I had recently with an onion. Uh, Brittany uh, FaceTimed me while I was cooking, and I just had an onion cutting into it, and I was like, oh, God, Brittany, look at this. And she was like, you probably just cut around that. It's probably just that one part. And then I did, I cut around it, there was a little bit more, so I cut the onion in half, and I held up both halves of the onion to the camera, and said, look at this, 
whole inside is pretty much rotten. Now, the outside of the onion looked fine. For the most part, it's separate at one spot. A lot of times, the crumminess folks, the negative, the uh, rot, it's not uh, detectable at first glance. Sometimes there are character traits and personality traits that people possess that you kind of got to get to know them a little bit before red flags really start to become noticeable. And they do, they are noticeable if uh, you are aware and alert if you're looking for them. Now, yeah, and if you're recognizing patterns as well, not just with the other person, but even with yourself. That's it. It's definitely a pattern thing. You gotta look for patterns in people and see if what you see is a consistent thing. Because sometimes some individuals have a um, they have a bad day or they're having a bad season, and maybe they don't know how to uh, 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 handle it or to uh, cope with it the right way. And so some negative emotions are conveyed, but all in all, through and through. Uh, if it becomes a consistent thing, then you know you've got an entirely bad apple on your hand. Now, I will say that a majority of folks that do fall in the category of being a bad apple, a lot of them aren't completely evil, but so they do have some charm and some good qualities. And a lot of times that can muddy the waters. And a lot of times that causes folks to... Uh, be affected by uh, a concept called Stockholm Syndrome. And I know Brittany knows a lot about this, so Brittany, take it away. Yeah, so this is, in case you haven't picked up on it yet, this is kind of about abuse specifically, not just physical, but emotional and mental abuse. So Stockholm Syndrome, for it to exist, there have to be a few factors. One, there has to be a perceived threat of some sort. Now, this doesn't have to be a physical threat. It can be an emotional threat, like a perceived loss if things change or if you leave, right? The other thing that has to be present is a perceived act of kindness. So it can't just be the threat that's there. It also has to be a kindness. Because if it was all bad all the time, you would recognize that the only way would be to get out. But if there is some kindness or some breadcrumbs, it's easy to think, oh, it's, it's getting better or things will get better, right? And the third thing that needs to be there is a perceived inability to get out. So these can come in all shapes and sizes, but in abusive situations, even with emotional abuse, people often develop Stockholm Syndrome or sometimes also referred to as a trauma bond where there has been so much trauma with that person that they have created that it's created a false bond with that person. Um, and it can be hard to recognize that and break free. And then, you know, often when people do, like I said, it's kind of about patterns. You should never, ever be afraid to embrace love and vulnerability and closeness, even after you've been through things. But I do think it's very important to take time 
to heal and to recognize even what parts you played. And I need to qualify that because I don't believe that somebody who has been abused ever asked for the abuse at all. When I say what parts you played, I mean what red flags did you not recognize in the beginning? What made you allow that person in? You know, those things. Because no one chooses to be abused. And generally, you end up in an abusive situation because you don't recognize it at all at first. But that is your part. Because, well, you don't know better the first time. You can learn to know better so it doesn't happen again. Because you have to be able to recognize the red flags and those things. So in that sense, I think taking time to heal is important and taking time to evaluate and assess, wait, what happened there? How did I end up in that situation? What did I miss? What did I not pay attention to? What was my body and my mind and my emotions, like what were those things telling me that I ignored during that? Because I don't know that I know of any incident of abuse where someone can say that they really had no idea after the fact. There is always something in the beginning that stands out as odd. It might not be, oh, this is a red flag or this person's an abuser. It's not like that. It's just something in your spirit tells you that this is odd behavior or it's not right or it's over the top. But you choose to ignore it because you feel good in the moment and you're getting a dopamine high. I mean, I know for me, when I had been in an abusive situation, one of the things you don't know if you've never been in it is that one of the first signs of an abusive relationship is actually what they call love bombing, which is an intense, intense level of attention and and affection, like constant showering of affection and attention to a new partner, basically. So that you are constantly being given these dopamine hits, being made to feel good, being showered with praise, you know, and who doesn't like that? Well, in the situation that I ended up in for a long time, it was abusive. It was emotionally abusive. It was like that in the beginning. And I had always been very, very independent. So initially it felt weird to me. And I remember one day thinking, I, I don't know if I can deal with this level of attention. I mean, I, I need space still, you know? And then I told oh, yeah. myself, wait a second. Right. And I told myself, well, but but maybe this is just because he's really into you. And, and this is just what a relationship with someone who really likes you is like, you know? It's better than being disconnected. And I admitted to myself, and and it feels good, so don't deny yourself that. But there was a part of me that knew that something was weird about it. And if I look back, I can find other moments where something stuck out and felt odd, you know? So part of the healing process and part of the finding healthy relationships is taking that time to recognize where we shut down our own voices and our own thoughts and our own feelings, where we stopped listening to our bodies when they were telling us that something wasn't right, you know. And I do think it's important to take that time to heal and to find yourself in the center because if you don't, you do end up in a pattern of just negative, unhealthy situations that then make you really afraid of real relationships and make it 
really impossible to connect because if you aren't centered in yourself, you can't be a healthy partner or member in a relationship. No, no. Uh, but, a, a broken person can never love somebody wholly. Uh, right. Now, I, I don't believe that you have to be 100% whole to love or be loved. Because I think sometimes loving someone and being loved well by someone can actually help you heal. However, I think it's very, very important to take time to heal yourself and to recognize the part that you did play in whatever situations you've been in because there's no way to change patterns and habits without doing that. And I know for me, like, after I was out of the abusive situation I was in, I took time to learn about abuse and depression and different things that affected relationships because I needed to understand what I had been through. But doing that helped me understand enough to not end up in a situation like that again. Um, definitely interesting, the whole issue with trauma bond and Stockholm syndrome because it's it's like a, a cycle of getting up really high and crashing and burning. So there's the dopamine hits that you refer to. Which by the way, they become addicting. That's why a lot of times people um, go after or attracted to abusers, and it's one after the next in the relationship. But yeah. that dopamine, if anybody isn't aware, it's a chemical in the brain. It's the same way that's released when you do the crack mess, or if you're on a roller coaster, it's that rush, that excitement is a pretty pleasant feeling. And uh, I had all the other substances and the amusement rides can be addicting, so uh, and the attention that you're receiving from a potential abuser. And then it's the crash once they start to victimize you. I mean, you feel trapped because you're like, well, I don't know, uh, I can't really go anywhere else. For one reason or another, you, maybe you don't feel worthy or you just feel trapped. And then you start to justify the trap. And because you feel trapped and you perceive an inability to get out, you start to justify it. And what do you justify it with? Well, it's not bad all the time. There are good moments when you substitute uh, the good times. Substitute the smiles and the happy times. But the happy times and the good times and the, the, the even the showering of affection and love never balances out the negative of the abuse, never counteracts the drama and the trauma caused by it. It's honestly only feeds to the trauma. Do you agree with that? I do. I do. I also think that, you know, people who've been in abusive situations sometimes will get in repeated cycles like that, serial monogamy, realizing really quickly if something isn't right or healthy and getting out, but ending up in sort of a cycle of the high, the high, the high, and then a crash and an end, and then seeking the next high. And I think it's really important to know that it doesn't have to feel high all the time and that healthy relationships are not like that. 
but that it's okay to not feel high in the beginning of a relationship too or or in the middle because the high is sort of false I mean that's really an addiction thing and when you're in a healthy stable relationship you start stabilizing in other ways and getting happier in deeper ways and you can gain the excitement just by creating excitement together but I yeah I do I think it takes time and not just time it's not really about time it's about an intentionality of healing and learning and growing and owning whatever part that you need to so that you don't end up in that situation again you know but you know like we said in the beginning I also think it's really really important to not shut down to relationship and connection because as humans we're built for connection and relationship we are built to be there for each other and to help each other and to stand with each other you know you were talking about reciprocity earlier in relationship and the reality is that you know we're not always going to be our tip-top selves I mean, there are times that we're going to go through things and we're not able to be as present or to show up in the same way that we did once. You know, you might be grieving. And, I mean, you know when you're grieving, you're not going to be the same peppy, encouraging person that you are when you're in a good place and you're happy. And those things shift in relationships. Sometimes one person is the one that's able to give more. And then it shifts and then the other person is. So, I mean, some of that is normal and but that's part of being in relationship with, in healthy ways, too, is we're able to be there for each other and hold each other up when we can't on our own, you know. And that's, that's an important thing. And no one should keep themselves out of love and connection and relationship because of fear or because something in the past went awry. And I'm not saying to jump in to relationships, especially not serious relationships quickly, I I think it's so important to take time to heal, to take time to find yeah. yourself, to take time to learn and unpack what happened and to own your own pieces and habits so that you can kind of peel away the layers of the things that are unnecessary. Because we all in our lives build up habits in different ways that pull us further away from who we actually are. They're habits that we've created to survive in situations that don't serve us for the rest of our lives, you know? Sometimes we've had situations as kids where we had to survive in some way or another, and we learned habits of survival that helped us and saved us during those times. They're not things to be hated because they're what helped us survive. But as adults in different situations or healthy situations, they no longer serve us. Because they don't help us survive anymore. They prevent us from really living. And I really think in a lot of ways, life is about peeling away all the layers of things that weren't really meant to be part of us that keep us from connection and real love and healthy relationship with each other, you know? And a willingness to be vulnerable and to look at those things is so key in that. So key. And I think and this is a good way to kind of bring it back to friendship, too. It's not just about intimate partnerships. It's about friendships, too, because 
friendships help you learn those things about yourself too. Sometimes friends can see things that you can't see because you're just too close to your own feelings or situation to recognize it, you know, and those things about holding each other accountable or even doing life together, we learn vulnerability and help even in friendships, you know, we learn how to speak, how to open ourselves and our voices that way we learn how to be vulnerable and because in the Bible, iron sharpens iron, you know, we rub off each other's rough edges. We're a communal race, a communal society. We're meant to communicate and have relationships. Um, it, it's, I think the soul yearns for community and the communication and relationship, even folks that shut people out. And I, I, I do want to emphasize what Brittany just said, that if you've been victimized, you can trust again, you can love again, but you got to proceed with caution. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you think about think about a man that is uh, walking through a field, right? And there, there, there's a pile, there are piles of cow shit or dog poop or whatever out in the field. If he's not alert, he'll step in one of those piles and then it ruins his face. You know, he walks around stinking and possibly ruining his shoes. But it doesn't mean you should stop walking. Maybe he turns around and goes home and trains his shoes. Well, the next time he goes out to the field, he should be more diligent, more alert, more aware of his surroundings. And actually look for the pile of shit. And if you see a crop of, of uh, animal prints, footprints or whatever, or grass that's been pressed down by weight of animals. And then you know, most likely in that direction, one of the animals had to use the bathroom. And it's the same scenario, same situation, I think, applies, the same implication, that you can learn to see the patterns of showering of affection. Now, does that mean does that mean that when people get uh, together that uh, it should just be nonchalant and there shouldn't be moments of intense joy and, and, and happiness and that gratitude or, or affection? No, not at all. But the point is, number one, the excessiveness of it and two, the intent behind the excessiveness. But if you're ever in doubt about the intent, uh, you can kind of judge, in a way, if you look at the person's um, track record, um, are they, how, how do they interact with their friends in their real life, and have they had a bunch of short-term relationships back-to-back? And if they have, obviously, the common denominator a lot of times points back to them. It's them. But got to go with your heart and your gut instinct is usually not wrong that said you can't live in fear and just pres- uh, resume everybody is guilty um, just because that's certainly not healthy either so how would you um, 
suggest somebody navigate that, Brittany, um, if of really being able to discern and tell the difference between whether or not somebody is uh, showing affection in a healthy way or out of excitement versus uh, because they're trying to lure you in like a fisherman luring in a fish. Mm, that's kind of a loaded question. I want to address what you said, too, about, like, people ending up in a lot of short-term relationships. It might be that they're the problem and that they're an abusive partner. It also might be that they are a person that has been abused a lot and has ended up in a pattern of that and recognizes right. that it's not what they want right away and jumps ship, but hasn't taken the time to heal and really, really look at what has happened in their own heart, meaning their lack of awareness of it. Because, look, it all comes down to awareness. And like you're saying, you're asking me, like, what is something to look for? Well, the biggest thing is this love bombing thing, which sounds kind of elusive, I know. So I'll kind of go into detail. When you are in an early relationship, it doesn't matter. Even if you have a love at first sight connection with someone, mm -hmm. generally, even with that, people that are healthy and normal will not try to make a relationship serious really quickly. Yeah. Whereas an abuser type will start talking about really distant future plans very quickly. Marriage, children moving it together, leaving the family. All the things. And they will want to yeah. be exclusive pretty quickly. Like, they will intensely want your time, but not just in an excitement way. I mean, they will want all of your time to the point that if you're working or spending time with other friends, they will find a way to put themselves in that time. So we're not talking just excitement or, oh, when can I see you again? Like, if you are out with a friend, they will probably call and interrupt that time. And maybe even tell you they miss you during it. If you're at work, they might find a way to interject themselves into your work. They will literally insert themselves into things that they don't belong in. Uh, but a yeah. common, common thing is making things more serious and talking very seriously very quickly. A fast-moving relationship is a sign of abuse. So, and I'm not saying every fast-moving relationship is. I think it happens more frequently when people are young and naive also. But just in general, that I, that's what love bombing looks like. It's over-affection. It's just this inter into each point of life or inserting themselves so at some point you really don't have anything that's your own yeah and I would say add to that isolation if they start to want to isolate you from everyone else from your friends and your family uh, because but a number of reasons not a number of excuses maybe they say they uh uh, I, I can't stand it when you're away. I just gotta have you here, or because they legitimately say, "I don't think those people are good for you. I don't like them. I want you to be with me." If they're trying to isolate you, I, I would think that is part of because if that person can brainwash you to think they they are the end all be all, you, you will be trapped. Yeah. Well, the other thing, a lot of abusers 
they don't just say, I don't like those people, I don't want you around them. Often they will use the relationship as an excuse since they can't you see they're trying to tear us apart or they're trying to come between us. Now, there are times that people have toxic family members or toxic friends that really don't want them to be happy. And in that case, you know, you have to use discernment there, too. Like, you have a family member that every time something's going well, somehow they find a way to tear it down, then maybe they are a problem, and you do need to create some distance with them. I mean, there are abusers in families, too. I know with um, one of my exes, they had a father who really did not like me because his son was happy when he was with me, so he would find ways to tear down our relationship. Now, I never told my ex that he couldn't have a relationship with his father, but he definitely, his father did come between our relationship a lot. So I'm not saying there aren't scenarios where that doesn't happen, and obviously use your discernment. However, that is a typical excuse of an abuser is using the love as the reason. They're just trying to come between us. They're just trying to come between our love. And in the midst of it, they are isolating you from friends and family that care about you and want you to be healthy and well and see some negative things going on and are concerned, you know, because they don't want people that can see the truth to come in the way of them abusing you, essentially. I will also say, it's funny, because I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and they said, well, love is blind. And I said, no, it's not. Lust is blind. Excitement is blind. Addiction is blind. Love is not blind. Real love sees a person for exactly who they are. You don't lie to yourself about it. You don't pretend that they're perfect. You see their flaws. You see who they are, but you love them anyway because who they are is kind and good. And because they are good for you and to you and vice versa. And because you love them. It's not blind. You see the truth, and you love them and appreciate them and respect them with the truth, you know? Because there are no perfect people, but there is a big difference between abusive and imperfect, and there's a big difference between healthy relationships that still has challenges and toxic relationships. Because every relationship is going to have challenges. I mean, a nice conversation is a perfect example People rub each other the wrong way and take each other off. Even good friends do that, you know. You're not always going to get along. You're not never going to argue. There are going to be things that come up that annoy you. I mean, I always laugh because there's something. I've always heard interviews, what annoys you the most that other people do? And someone's like, when they don't squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom. And you're right, like, right. that is so stupid. What a small thing. But honestly, we're human, and sometimes the little things get really annoying, and we get pissy and stupid with each other. But love goes in with eyes wide open, and you love a person even if they don't squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom. And you love a person even if they hog fed sheep. And you love a person even if they are scatterbrained and totally forget something or are not usually on time. You know, and I could go on. There are obviously a lot of things that could or could not drive someone nuts about another person. But the in, reality in, in is... In a nutshell, in a nutshell, you may, people may possess attributes or little quirks that you don't really care for, but 
person is still lovable and redeemable and well, shouldn't be. In a nutshell, love is not blind. Love sees everything and loves anything. And that doesn't mean that you should love someone that's hurting you. That is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is when it really is love, you don't close your eyes to what is true. Lust and addiction are blind, and they close you off, and they shut you down, and they shut down the voice in you that tells you what's going on. And the reality is that even in healthy relationships, there are going to be challenges, but you still have to be able to listen to that inner voice and be eyes wide open because for a relationship to remain healthy, you need to be able to tell each other the truth and open up and talk when things are not going right because it has to be able to remain healthy and people change and grow over time. And you have to be able to grow together and learn together. I couldn't agree more. And if anybody is wondering what authorities, Brittany or myself, to discuss the topic, we've both been there. We've both been the victims of abuse. And, uh, and we both have to come out to the other side and seen, seen it for what it was. And uh, so you're, you're getting reviews from verified consumers. Well, I'm not just a consumer. And... I mean, I'm not a clinical psychologist by any means, but I am somebody who needs to understand. When things don't go right, I I have a need to understand. It's just part of how I'm wired. So when I went through some of the things I went through, I made a concerted effort to learn everything I could about it. I've read the books, and I've studied the things, and I have been in counseling to take apart all the pieces of myself and I come at it not just with the personal experience of what I went through but the personal experience of all the healing that I took the time to do and all of the things that I learned about as part of that process. Anyway. Uh, do you have anything to add to the conversation? Uh, no. I'm, I'm listening because um well, Do you have any questions? No. I'm, I'm listening because you both know, the people don't know that there's something going on that's going to progress the production company. So I'm just trying to listen and compare and contrast between this situation and the one that I'm working on. Um, so, no. I, I was just listening here. I wondered if you'd fallen asleep if you were quiet for so well, long. I, I've just... Uh. No need for me to butt in about something that I really have no idea about. So. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of times when people have been uh, victimized, it's hard to trust and get in love again. And I feel like if you're in that uh, situation, you, uh, maybe it's not time yet. You still need to take time to heal to heal and grow and learn yourself, uh, or learn yourself, learn who you are, and uh, and wait. There's no need to rush. There's no that's, need to, to rush. That's very true, but also know that we heal in community, not in isolation. So you don't have to rush that's, into another relationship, but don't isolate yourself. Don't shut people out because it's scary. Let people in. Yeah. Let friends in. Choose to 
get help with the healing, you know, so that you're not having to face all of the questions and hurt alone. I, I know that for a lot of people, counseling can seem like a really scary thing. But the reality is, I mean, I think everybody should have counseling of some sort of it, at at least some point in their life. Because it's really good to have a non-biased third party to help you walk through things that can understand you, clinically understand as well. And the only thing I would say or add to that is not all counselors are created equal, and there are some bad ones. So don't be afraid to go to counseling, but also don't be afraid to interview counselors and see who you genuinely feel comfortable with and who you feel like you're getting progress with as well. Yeah, that only makes sense. I mean, because you're going to be intimately pouring out your life and your life stories or thoughts to the stranger. So you got to make sure it's somebody that uh, to trust and that you're comfortable with. And I would say even was it to review to say have such a thing or uh, yeah, I, I would say look at you know depending on what you've been through, look at what they specialize in because different counselors specialize in different things. There are potentially reviews. Honestly, I mean a good way to go is if a friend has had a good experience and experienced healing from a counselor, especially if they have a similar challenge, I would test that counselor out. And if that person maybe doesn't work for you because it's not the right fit, maybe they don't specialize in what you're dealing with, they might have a recommendation for someone that they trust that does. But I just in general, you know, interview them the same way you would other people. You don't have to go to a counselor and sit with that one person if you don't feel safe with them. I've had a lot of different counselors over time even when I was in high school, and I will say that the most recent counselor that I've had that I've walked through um, EMDR, which is a PTSD treatment with, is the only one that has truly helped me heal and grow. So not all counselors are created equally, but I do think that especially if you've been hurt or you've been through trauma of any sort, which most people have, to really healthy and good choice to to walk through that with somebody who can help you unpack it. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, we're getting we're going along, getting to the point that it's time to start wrapping this up. I want to invite both Hodge and Brittany to offer any uh, final thoughts, closing remarks, anything either to you have to say that you want to include. I don't think so. Uh, anything at all. I have seen people who have been through um, physical or later they were, you know, abused physically and mentally. And like they're saying, therapy, I don't think therapy is a bad thing. I've been to therapy for different reasons. So I, when you can, when you feel like it, if you have been a victim of any kind of mental, physical abuse, tell someone and, and, and get help because that's the only way it's going to help you live your life on to what it's supposed to you know, be meaningful for. 
absolutely. Um, bottling those feelings and emotions up inside and just trying to deal with it on your own is a disaster. It's a recipe for disaster. So you've got to uh, find somebody you can trust and share it with them, and you got to seek out uh, mental health. And see, that's the thing, the term mental health uh, in and of itself, a lot of times brings with it a negative connotation. And that's not fair. Mental health is so important. Um, our minds are so important. And I think a lot of times undervalued. And being able to navigate the, uh, the cloudiness and the storms of the mind, uh, it's difficult to do. And definitely seek out help uh, if you're in that situation. And even folks that aren't, it's still good, as Brittany said earlier, to have a third party to help you understand yourself and uh, to challenge you. Uh, uh, well, the third party is a non-biased party. A counselor is non-biased. They don't gain anything either way based on decisions that you make and things that you do. So for them, you know, their only goal is to help with your healing. Whereas somebody that you're involved with, no matter how much they love you, they still are affected by whatever choices you make and the things that you do. So it's harder in that sense to heal certain types of things if someone's not a non-biased third party. Yeah, that's definitely the key is uh, finding a non-biased third party. Obviously, though, at first, it is helpful to discuss it with a friend or a family member that you trust, that you know is is, is uh, someone that is, isn't is an abuser themselves or someone that's going to hold it against you, whatever it is you're revealing to them, someone you can trust, but definitely that third party, unbiased, Stranger is the one that um, is really beneficial and helpful. Okay. So, okay, Brittany? I really, I mean, I think that's all, but I, you know, it's funny. You said, what, do you have anything to end to wrap up? And this is, you're going to laugh. All I could hear was the Beatles song. Love, uh. love, 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 love. You know, because all I mean, really, all you need is love. Yeah, really, what it comes down to is love isn't just romantic love. You know, there are so many ways that it comes, and we have to be open to giving that to other people. But we also have to be willing to receive that, and to know that you are worth receiving love, no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what has failed or and victorious, no matter how you feel, you are worthy of being loved and you deserve to be loved. So let yourself receive the love that people around you have to give. And don't be afraid to show your true self to people. I love that. That's powerful. Powerful love. Love is so powerful. Uh, it is. Love yourself. Love others. Folks, that's all we have time for today. We've gone over two hours. Wow. 
And as you know, as I always close with, our tomorrows are never guaranteed. For some of us, unfortunately, we've got less of them left than we do yesterday. Life is a journey, whatever hindrance or roadblock, whatever drama, trauma, negativity, struggle, pain, shame, or guilt, lay it to the side and get to stepping. Live your life and live your truth unapologetically. Aspire to inspire before you expire. And as always, you've been listening to Big Shrimp Radio, episode number 114. 114! I can't believe it's already past the 100 mark. 114. With myself, producer Hodge, and Brittany Bexton. By the way, Man, I just butcher this close. Brittany, we need to let the people know how they can uh, find you on Instagram or get your music, because you are an artist. Yes, and I wrote a book. <laughs> you did. You did. On the topic, or similar to the topic, and hopefully coming out soon. Yeah, well, some people have already gotten their copies. If they pre-ordered it, they did. It comes out February 4th in bookstores. But... I'm Brittany Bexton, which is spelled B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-B-E-X-T-O-N. You can find me at BrittanyBexton.com or as Brittany Bexton on all the socials. You can find me on Facebook, Brittany Bexton, Instagram, Brittany Bexton, or Twitter, Brittany Bexton. I'm easy to find. What can I say? Well, she got the simple for you. Uh, Hodge, your Instagram. Instagram at I am Mr. Dylan Hodge. You can also go follow my podcast, which we're actually recording this on the podcast as well, uh, at the Hodgepodge Podcast over on Instagram. What episode number is this of the Hodgepodge oh, Podcast? Dude, I have no cl- dude, I have no clue. Well, mm-hmm. 114 of Big Shrimp Radio, <laughs> and I think it's 200 and something. Yeah, it's Hodge. over 200, hopefully. Uh, well, there you have it, folks. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on and keep grinding. Until next time, you got a friend of me, and I'm sure all of us, and we're signing off. Hope you guys liked that extra long podcast. We went a long time on it. I think it was like hour, two, two and a half hours. So however, however long this timestamp comes out to be and when you're listening to me right now, if you're still listening, then I do appreciate it. Coming up next week on the HodgePodge podcast, Abigail Nielsen returns. And this time it's a two-parter. Um, one of the only two-parters that we've ever done on the podcast. And on this two-parter, random BS, we're talking conspiracies on part one. 
So come back next week for Abigail Nelson as the two-parter, uh, the total BS. Whatever I'm going to call it, it's a two-parter. And the first part, we're talking conspiracies like the Elvis and the Beatles and stuff like that. So come back for that, and you'll hear that as well. As always, enjoy and frown less. And remember, the first spaceship never went to space. So take your time. You're going to fail, but you're going to get back up, and it's soon going to go to the moon. So... Without further ado, I'm going to leave you in time and between time. I've been your host, D. Hodge, but you guys have already known that. And I'll catch you guys on the flip side. I'll see you later. Bye.